Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP Practitioner Course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithMatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning. We are ready to crank again this week with you. I so appreciate you tuning into this show. And the reason you do, of course, is because you love meeting great entrepreneurs like yourself. You love hearing the story behind what makes them tick. And we've been having a different conversations back and forth over the last few weeks together. If you've been tuning in or get us on demand. Um, today, this week, I have a very special guest that I am... Um, it's not every guest and hear me right on this. It's not every guest that actually gets me tickled and like genuinely like internal excited. Like I cannot wait for you to meet this person. And this is one of those people. Um, my guest this week is Suzanne Senna. Um, she has a long and illustrious TV and film career, everything from E entertainment television to hosting on extra um, hosting television with Regis Filmin on Live with Regis, anchoring for CBS, um, having a national news desk at the Fox News Channel. So she's been there and done that in that world. She hosts an amazing top podcast called The Confidence Connection, Building Trust in a Virtual World. And she has been training for years and years all about how to help people like me and you rock virtual events and rock ourselves on camera when we're showing up virtually. So if you in the last year have ever shown up on a Zoom, on a meeting, on a conference call, on a, live, a virtual event, you're gonna wanna tune into this. So welcome, Suzanne, are you with us? I am here and so excited to be here, Matt. Thank you, and you're coming in from LA, so you're like, you're uh, hunkered down hanging out in Los Angeles, yes? Uh, yeah, hunkered down is a great way to say it. We are, of course, experiencing extreme lockdowns here, um, but we've been doing this pretty much since March. So, you know, we're kind of used to this way of life now, I think. And fortunately for me, as you know, from having lived here, um, if you're going to be quarantined or have to stay at home, at least if you're in sunny California, it's not the worst place to be. Yeah, not the worst place at all. You're, uh, I broadcast from Grand Rapids and, you know, it's 28 degrees today. So you're, uh, you're, you're doing well. Um, my question for you, as I want to kind of start off here, is just a little bit of the backstory. Before we went to tape, we were talking a bit about, you know, personality and about getting into the business. When you were a kid, like, did you always know you wanted to be like in front of the camera? Were you always that kind of a person? Or did this come as a shock to you that was out of the blue? Tell me a little bit about kind of the early time. I will. And the answer is both. Um, when I was really young, it, was, it really wasn't about getting in front of a camera because as a, you know, as a child, I really didn't have a concept of that as a career, but I did from a very early age participate in drama and like first grade, I was given the lead um, because I could memorize, you know, and that continued through high school 
with what seemed, I mean, for me, performing was it. I loved it. But when I would tell people, because, you know, I mentioned to you, I was also raised in Michigan. And um, because the TV industry and the performance industry really isn't based there, my very steady, you know, um, work ethic oriented family was like, that's cute. You want to be an actress, but you know, you need to have a real job. So I went to Michigan state. I did not study broadcasting. I didn't do any theater. Um, instead I, I majored in communication, not even meaning to be a broadcaster, like I said, and, and there's a, it's a very long story here, but to just make it uh, shorter, um, you know, boom, bada bing, um, all these years later, I'm, I've had a full TV career and I did do some acting and commercials, which then led to some hosting, which then led to broadcasting. That's actually an interesting story. Maybe we'll we'll touch on that later. But well, you know, actually, that interests me quite a bit. Going back for a second, though, I'm very interested in how parents and how the upbringing worked out. When you said, "Hey, go get a real job," I think a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of uh, actors and entertainers they hear that right. It's the rock star. Hey, what's your plan B? Did you have, was that a very positive experience? Meaning were they like, hey, we believe in you and, you know, be prepared? Or was it a, oh, come on, quit dreaming, girl? What what was the It was that second the vibe. One. It was the quit dreaming, girl. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't about like, oh, we believe in you. You can do anything. I came from a very old fashioned family. Um, really wanted- What'd your mom and dad do? My dad was a mechanic at Ford Motor Company for 30 some years. My mom wow. didn't. And um, they both thought that I would, they were surprised when I said I wanted to go to college. So that's, you know, you're a girl kind of thing. So that's a little bit of that background. So I didn't have a lot of support that way, but I never, I was, I've always been very practical minded and I've always been business oriented, although I didn't realize it at the time. I just created a lot of things in college and put on a lot of events and, and did things like that. So you know, I never said, oh, I think I want to just not make a living for two years or however long it takes and just live with 18 people and eat peanut butter so I can be an actress. That was never it. In fact, I remember doing theater, um, which took so much time, and then getting an opportunity to do commercials, which took no time and paid a lot more. Um, and I made a switch and I thought, well, I'm very commercial oriented that way as far as, you know, you, I want to make a living. So it is kind of a miracle that it all it all ended up kind of turning into what I wanted it to anyway. So any, any early memorable commercials? Every time I think of an, uh, of an actor in, in commercials, I always go for some reason to Jay Leno and his Doritos commercials. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I was a kid watching that. It was like, you know, I, I came in watching The Tonight Show right as Leno was taking over. And I, you know, I remember Johnny Carson, oh, but yeah. I'm like, oh, here's this guy. I had no idea that he had a whole comedy and a whole career right. and he would have done commercials and no one knew who he was because I right. just grew up knowing who he was. Uh, any commercials stick out for you that, you know, or any interesting stories about uh, auditions or just getting into that world? Yeah, definitely. When I was um, doing uh, acting as a younger person, meaning I was just in my early 20s, um, late 20s, I, uh, my brother who lives in Michigan and who wrote a, a column because he was an editor at a newspaper, um, described my roles as the constant um, wife of the hapless husband. So, you know, there's always some like idiot guy and I'm the smart wife and it's just silly. I did a lot of those, but the truth is, um, I, husband. I know, right. You're going to commercial with me. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think the audition story, two of them that are great, but one, the big break for me commercial wise is that I got cast in a diet Coke campaign back when the um, Olympics were held in Atlanta. And what's cool about that is I was living in Birmingham, Alabama at the time. 
And they did a nationwide search and I was going to auditions in Atlanta through some big agencies there. Um, and they were looking for a redhead and they were looking for something specific. And they of course thought they'd get their lead actress or actor from LA or New York. And the next thing you know, they were bringing me in and um, asked me if I would cut and dye my hair. And I got the lead in this great campaign for Diet Coke. So yeah, I should send you a picture of that. That's just really funny. <laughs> I, I would love to say, I'll bet you it's somewhere. Can you put it up on your Instagram or put that on your Facebook or something? I think it'd be yes, a great- absolutely. I, I think it's out there somewhere um, as I speak. And then the other one, ironically, is another red hair situation where I had to dye my hair. And I was working by then as a blonde for so many um, high-level jobs that that's kind of my, my look, right? And so I was much more reluctant to dye my hair. And this particular commercial campaign involved a monkey jumping on my head. Uh, I know, right? The, the glory and glamour of acting. And um, so during the auditions with the monkey and all this stuff, whatever. Anyway, um, they agreed that the other, other woman cast in another commercial for the campaign would dye her hair. But then the animal rights people came in and said, no, she's working too soon with the monkey and we will not let the monkey be on freshly dyed hair. So again, <laughs> we, I, so I, we won't I took, let the monkey be on freshly dyed hair. Yeah. So they dyed my hair red again. And, um, and I had to do this commercial. I had to go through a week through a week full of monkey training. And by the way, the monkey I worked with was Marcel from Friends. Oh, was, Marcel. Marcel. Yeah. Oh, is, is he as sweet as, as, uh, as oh. we imagine he would be? Yeah. And he's also a twin, you know, because you can't just have one monkey on set for so many hours. So there's some other monkey that kind of shifted off with that monkey. But I knew I was in trouble when I showed up day one for monkey training and the monkeys were wearing diapers. And I said, well, why are they wearing diapers? And they're like, yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully not going to have a little accident on me, but anyway, there are many hey, stories. Freshly that dyed hair, freshly dyed hair. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Get off me monkey. So <laughs> They wanted That's to put awesome. mealworms in my ears to make the monkey kind of, and I said, no, I draw the line at mealworms. I've got my dignity. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, my nine-year-old son has a leopard gecko. So we're in mealworms every single night up to my finger digits. Adorable. Um, but definitely not going in the hair. That's for sure. Hey, can I ask you real quick, Susan, you just something you touched on. I want to get, I know you probably have some deeper philosophies and this is a space to be able to share those and connect. When you said you went in in the audition and they were looking for a, it was a redhead, but you were mm -hmm. blonde, right? Mm -hmm. Could you speak to people that, I don't know, maybe you're trying to show up to a prospect, a client, you're trying to show up to a place, trying to be what you think people need you to be. And I, for you, I just love, I'm sure you've had that and other experiences where they go, well, we thought we were looking for this, but we actually found what we need in you because you showed up as you. Could you kind of speak to that just experience in any way you want to? I'm so thrilled that you mentioned that because that's been one of my long-standing philosophies ever since many, many, many years ago. Again, I was I was in my early 20s and I went on an audition and I had a bad agent at that time in a small town. And I went to this audition and she told me um, that it was for a carpet cleaning commercial. So I went like, you know, just... Um, I just went with like scrudgy clothes on, you know, a little bandana in my hair and uh, looked like I was going to clean the carpet. And I got there and they were looking for um, not only a carpet spokesperson, a, a carpet store spokesperson, but they very specifically apparently had asked for somebody from a Latino um, family. They wanted sort of this, like this was in New Mexico, by the way, when I was gotcha. in Gotcha, yep. And so, and they wanted the person to be more of a housewife, you know, and they wanted a stereotypical housewife. So they're basically looking for, 
a darker skinned, darker haired, older woman. And so I said, great. So my time is this and uh, I'll be right back. I went to the bathroom, fixed myself up as much as I could. Couldn't change my ethnicity, but I just made myself look more appropriate for the, for the job. Came in, I did my best and I got a call a few days later. This is a great example, Matt. They said they loved my voice so much. They decided to cancel that campaign and make it audio. And so they hired me for the job. I did all the voiceovers and that launched my voiceover career actually. And then they ended up liking me so much and I became associated with the brand and became the spokesperson. So absolutely, you know, I hear too many people look at a job description and they say, I'm not qualified. No, no, they want this. To me, like, why are you already telling yourself no? Well, you're hundred percent certain not to get it. You want to tell yourself a prospect doesn't need your business? Then you're right. Right. I think they say Yogi Bear used to say, whether you uh, think you're wrong or right, you are. Um, Definitely Yogi Bear. Say, yeah. Got was, <laughs> Yogi, Yogi the Bear. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But whether you're, maybe it was Ben Franklin, whether you're right or wrong, you are. Right. Whether you think you're right or you think you're wrong, you are. So whatever you believe is what will happen. And I really believe strongly that you have to believe mostly in yourself and don't worry about other people's perceptions of you. Uh, people have, had wrong perceptions of me my entire life and career. Um, but I guess I've always known who I am. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. Why, why cross off any opportunity? Because you don't know. I always say, always take the meeting. Always you take the meeting. Enough, you never have enough information and neither does your prospect if you're trying to sell something, unless there's more information. Nobody can look at my website and make a decision whether I'm right to work with or not. They can say, oh, I'm interested in that, but it's only upon the meeting will they get enough information because they can ask questions. So I have a million uh, examples of I should not have gotten that job. Who would have thought this or that? And it, it always has worked out. Right. Didn't fit, et cetera. But you show up and you show up knowing who you are. And I think that's amazing. And even like as we showed up to meet each other for the first time during this interview, I would have been delighted to have met you earlier in life, but we haven't. And no. it's through the beauty of media and, and radio and podcasting we get to do this. Yes. But and now we'll be lifelong friends. So yeah, I hope so. But now, you know, we show up and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you're not a Michigan person, you're a state person. And it's it's good to know those things about someone going in because uh, over in the Midwest, they really make houses divided. Um, hey, Suzanne, this might be a weird question. Answer it however you want. But when, do you feel like you've A, made it? And I don't mean made it like there's a definitive, you made it or you didn't make it. But have you feel like you've made it to a certain level? How do you feel kinesthetically or visualize the world of business and media or either one of those as like these levels of, you know, I feel like, okay, I broke through something and now I've gotten to another level, but I know there's so much more to go to. Um, do you feel like a, you'll ever be satisfied? Like, all right, you know what? I finally hit it. I kind of got to where I wanted to be. And can we kind of talk about goals versus satisfaction and just anything in that conversation that strikes a chord with you? Oh, it all strikes chords. Um, I could talk to you for hours. I feel like- um, Not going anywhere. I don't know any uber successful driven people who say, well, I'm done. You know, I got it. I, I finally did it. No. Um, you know, uh, part of the, the blessing and the curse of being a high achiever, somebody who always wants an achievement is you get it, but then you, you lose that. Like, well, okay, I did it, but now what? I have to do the next thing. I want to do the next thing. What's the next step? And I think that's what's continued to propel me is that I've never been 
I, I hate to say satisfied because I get satisfaction out of so much, but I've never been content necessarily in where I am with, with my professional life in the sense of, yeah, I'm done. Now, with the exception of if I had gotten Kelly Ripa's job, I think I would have been pretty content, you know, um, for a long time. But generally speaking, I think we're always looking to grow. I don't find many successful people are missing that gene of wanting to keep driving, keep going forward. That being said, I've got very successful clients. You know, I've worked with some of the most, um, the top names in television have come to be trained by me. And I will talk to one of them and they've lost their contract. They've, they've not been renewed. Okay, now if you've gotten the top level job, but now you don't have it, um, you know, does it go away? No, I always try to remind people, even if you're not doing that anymore, you've done it, you've made it and no one can take that away from you. So there is that weird psychology we have internally saying, no, 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 I haven't made it yet. I wanna keep making it. Um, or, wow, I really, I really hit it big, you know, and that doesn't sustain forever. We have to keep evolving. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, there's so much I could say about that. Well, and I really love too, when, when you made the distinction between satisfaction versus contention, um, you're just like, I can feel satisfied, meaning, you know, I can feel good. I can feel proud. I can, I can celebrate. I made it somewhere, but also at the same time, not feeling content. I think there's a lot of people that misunderstand and it's like, I don't feel content, but right. they also fail to celebrate where they've gotten and they fail to, to, you know, just go to bed at night going, yeah, you know what? I did really good. I worked hard and, and I accomplished something and that's something I worth being proud of. Yeah. I think it's funny that, um, especially in our industry, we just do what we do. You know, we don't think of ourselves as, oh, we're this top person or we've done this amazing national project or whatever. Um, and then we watch our work, like we see our reel and go, whoa, <laughs> you know, hey, I've done some things. It's like we always have to kind of be reminded. And I think that's one of the nice things about having a support group too. If you're in the business and you have a spouse, if you've got your own business and you've got a spouse who's supportive and celebrates your successes with you, it, it helps a lot. It's nice. But I think that we sometimes don't even remember, I don't, I think the highly accomplished never sit there thinking I'm so highly accomplished in the way that people who are really losing their mind never think they're losing their mind. <laughs> so <laughs> The world is losing their mind. I'm just yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I don't know anyone who says, yeah, I've made it. It's always like, what's next? Yeah. I love that. And you, you mentioned earlier, I just want to kind of, I'm sure there'll be a story in here and maybe even a lesson along the way, who knows, no pressure, but you'd mentioned when you were trying out to replace, um, um, Kathy Kelly, Gifford. Yes. Yes. Right. Before, before, um, confusing names already, Kathy Lee Gifford and Regis are of course doing their show forever. And yeah. then when she's moving on, you actually, <clears throat> am I right on this? Uh, that you ended up doing four shows with Regis and we this did. was like, you were applying this. So, I mean, how did, how did this even happen? Was this an audition with a zillion people? Was it through a relationship or connection? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about kind of how that came about and what it meant to you? Um, the positive side, if there was a negative side to it, uh, anything at all. It's it, one of the proudest moments in my, my career, one of the proudest moments of my life, um, because I made that happen. I made that audition happen. So and here's good. how. So I was already working at the E Channel. I was an entertainment reporter, and I also hosted a show called Celebrity Homes. I'd done that for almost four years. And then I heard Kathy Lee Gifford was uh, retiring, and I always wanted 
I, that's like my ideal type of job, the talk show, the fun, the friendly, the inquisitive, you know, that mix. And I just, I wanted that job. And I remember being in the car back then with my dad. I said, I want that job. And he said, well, Susie, lots of people want that job. I was like, okay, true. Luckily, uh, thanks, luckily dad. that didn't hold me back. So the first thing I did was I asked my agent um, about it because my agent was obviously in the mix with high level placements. And he said, every single female in the business, film, television, broadcasting wants that job. He said, it's such a steady job and not an easy job, but the hours are good that even film stars are putting their hat in the ring. I said, well, can you get me a meeting with the, the executive producer? And he said, well, you'd have to be in New York. And I said, I'm going to be there next week. And he said, you are? I go, I am now. And he made a call and I got a meeting. And so I got a meeting with the producers and I talked with them and they saw my, they saw my reel. And on my reel, there was a small section of a show I did called Out to Lunch that I created with um, Sarah Jessica Parker. And in that, she and I are laughing over lunch. And um, she says something like, you remind me of a friend of mine. And I said, oh, really? Is that a good thing? And she said, oh, yeah, no, she's a wonderful person. And I said, oh, good. So she's not like someone who owes you money or something like that. We're laughing. <laughs> now, I, I have to note, this is a, a several tangent story, but I have to note that the editors who helped me with that reel said, don't put that in there. That's so self-gratuitous. Don't do that. And I said, I don't know. I like it. And there I am in the office with the executive producers of Live with Regis and Kathy Lee. And the producer says, here's why we would like you to come on. We just looked at your reel. And I know Sarah. She's not an easy interview. She's not instantly warm. And I'm guessing you had not met her prior to that interview. And I said, that's right. He said, great. We'll call your agent. And I got on. And my agent is flabbergasted by this. And he's just flabbergasted. And he says, you know, they are now cutting it down to a small list of 500. They had 500 people. And, and that's they just, the small list. That was, this, that was a short list. And then I just kept getting asked back. And Regis and I had great chemistry. So the, the reason, so people say, well, then why did you not get the job? Entertainment Weekly actually put a picture of me with Regis and said I was likely to get the job. So this was, was also down, this, sorry, what was it down to a certain, was it like the three of you front runners or how did it get down to? Well, you know, technically there was no front runner. Technically they just had certain people who were guest hosting. Um, Jillian Barbary was, was showing up as a guest host, but I knew that I was in serious contention because I knew the behind the scenes. So basically at the, at the end of the day, I was single the formula had been married with kids. And I remember that at one point I touched Regis on the arm and my agent said, don't do that. He said, you're single. If you touch him on the arm, then it's like he's married and that's inappropriate. Then Kelly Ripa comes on and she's got his pant leg rolled up and she's putting lotion on his leg. And I looked and I watched them and their chemistry was great. She already had a wonderful following from um, her show on ABC, All My Children, it was already on ABC, which was helpful, the show. They would have had to buy me out of my contract. It would have been a whole new formula. So it did not go my way, but I was, I couldn't have been any more proud than I was of those appearances. And I loved it. I felt so at home. Um, anyone who got, can go back and watch any of those shows, boy, I just, I really, that was it. That was well, really put them in your Google machine right now, boys and girls, go onto YouTube and go <laughs> and go look for Suzanne Senna, S-E-N-A. 
uh, with Regis. I, I can't wait. I know what I'm binging tonight. <laughs> That's <laughs> he, awesome. Uh, he passed away recently and I, I got to yeah. post a couple little clips. So anyway, but I digress. Yeah. Hey, Suzanne, from that story, I know you, you've you taken away and you, you definitely strike me as one of the more thoughtful, uh, introspective people in the industry, someone who's going to consider things and um, and not just kind of bump from project to project. What did you take away from that experience? You know, the fact that you were able to, through your own perseverance, obviously, you know, get that chance and go from thousands to just a handful and actually guest host. Um, what are you taking away from that that you can use in future projects or that you would teach some of your clients today getting into the media? Because um, you do so much media training now and virtual event training. Well, I think that uh, the main message is clear. Like everybody said, don't do it. Everyone said, you know, too many people want this. The odds are so low. And I just never cared. I never saw those barriers. You know, I never saw that. And I think the thing to remember when you're going, when you're shooting for the stars, you know, swing big. Don't worry if you strike out. Swing big and strike out rather than sit on the sidelines and the bleachers. So I think whenever somebody is really interested in something, the thing is, find out what you need to know, ask questions, arm yourself with all of the information necessary and be ready ahead of time, ahead of time for what might come up. I purchased my own green screen um, a couple of, I guess about a month ago. I have a green screen in a studio, but currently because of COVID, I'm only doing virtual work. Did I need a green screen at home? No. And yet something inside of me said, I, I should have that. And I bought it much to my husband's dismay since it was like, it's large, you know, then Monday I had this opportunity come up and I had nowhere in my house appropriate to shoot it. And um, boom, green screen up. And I thought, good me, yay me taking my own advice. Don't wait for the opportunity to get ready for it. Get ready for what might come your way. That's a big part of my philosophy. You know, there, there's, I, I'm. It's fun to talk to you, Matt, because you know we've been on Christmas break, holiday break, and uh, now I feel myself becoming alive with this. This is usually how I eat, sleep, and breathe, walk and talk, which is why I do what I do. Um, I don't see barriers. Which, if I were working with you, Matt, and I thought you have talent, which you clearly do, oh. I would, <laughs> I would see no barriers. So because I see no barriers, I can help my clients. I'm, I'm literally liaison to where they want to go because my confidence in them will bleed into theirs. Now I'm not, I'm very straight shooting as well. I'm very That's really honest. well said. My confidence will bleed into theirs. I love that. I want to borrow uh -huh. your confidence sometimes. Absolutely. Daily. But I really, I really think that people, uh, they need that extra support. And at the same time, I'm never going to tell somebody they're great if they're not. I'm never going to say, hey, you could be a TV star. Give me your money. That's just not, that's not the thing. But if I see something in you, I'm going to show you how you can develop it. The rest is up to you. One of my clients um, is Anita Landry, Dr. Anita Landry. And she doesn't mind me saying so because she's, she's put it out there for me many times. Nita came to my classes. I used to offer some just hosting classes. And she was different than everyone else. And I saw that because, um, first of all, she was a little older. She was also a gynecologist. You know, she wasn't a, like a student. She wasn't trying to be an actor. And later she took an advanced workshop with me and I learned more about her. And she is basically a traveling um, doctor, a physician, you know, where she goes different places, but she lives in LA. She was so great with what I was giving out for materials. I said, look, if you wanted to do this, if you wanted to be on TV, if you wanted to be a guest expert on the news, if you, I can show you how to do that. Here's my program for that. The rest is up to you. She did it. 
and within a few months became a, just started appearing on everything. Anyone listening might be familiar with her now as one of the regular co-hosts of The Doctors. So for the last wow. few years, she's been on The Doctors. And I feel proud of that. She's quick to give me some credit for that as far as showing her the way. But she has the talent. I was able to help bring it out, answer a million questions for her, having someone on the inside. Matt, when I was in my early 20s, just out of college, I had a roommate in Albuquerque um, who was younger than I. She was probably 19 and she had her own company. She had her own company and she came from a family of entrepreneurs, like 11 kids, mom and dad, everybody entrepreneurs. And so by living with her, I was constantly pitching in. She'd say, hey, I'll pay you $50 if you'll do this. And I learned how she operated her business. And then one day she went on vacation and said, would you mind sitting in for me, like going in and talking to these clients? And that just gave me the idea that I could come up with my own business. And back when I was about 22, 23, I did start a business called it Carousel Communications, where our business is promoting yours. And I launched an event marketing firm. And the only reason I'm, I'm absolutely 100% certain, the only reason I thought I could do that, or even, like it never would have occurred to me to do that in Detroit. I would never have thought I'm going to go to LA and start a business. The sure, only sure. reason is I knew somebody who was just like me who was doing it. And so I think my family growing up didn't know anybody in the TV industry. So it wasn't real. It is real. And I'm in it. So when someone works with me, I can make it more real for them. Or if they're listening and they get to know who I am and how I started and say, wait a minute, she did this. I could do that. It's only, you only think something's out of reach when you don't know anyone. Let me give you a great example. One of my podcast guests, amazing, Aisha Bo. If you listen to that episode with Aisha Bo, she is a NASA scientist, like amazing engineer, actually a NASA engineer, no longer because now she has her own corporation. But if you heard her story of all the things she's done and overcome, and she's amazing. And then I mentioned a book that I'm working on and she said, you know, I've not, I said, why have you not written a book? And she said, I don't know a single person who's written a book. And I was like, what? Every person I know, I could throw a dime here and hit eight people who've written books, you know? Right. And everybody's just, written a book. But when yeah. you go into a Starbucks, it's like right? almost no one read a, wrote a book, right? Like right, you gotta right. remember the rest of the world, don't we? So I, I said to her though, uh, you know, I'm going to hold you accountable for this. And she said, really? And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to some people. And since then she is in discussions with somebody who's working with me on my book. And now that I think will happen. It never would have. And here she is brilliant hugely successful, but it wasn't real in her world because she didn't know where to start. It takes networking. It takes asking questions. I don't know how many times over the past 20 years, somebody has said to me, I've got a, a daughter who's interested in broadcasting, or I have a friend who wants to get into TV. Yes, please ask me because I'm positive. I can introduce you to somebody who might know somebody who knows somebody. And that's the way the world works. That's incredible. And I love to like what I'm hearing from you and what I certainly get from you. Um, and I'm looking across, at least across a screen from you. So I can, I can see your eyes on this. Um, you mean it, you know, like you genuinely, you have that heart to, if I can help someone up, why wouldn't I? Because I'm guessing that, you know, you weren't born into it. You had to work hard for it. You went after it and you probably had people along the way at some stage that, can you think of someone or a time that somebody who had been there, done that had helped you up, but they didn't need to. You know, oh, it was yeah. like, hey, they didn't have to do that, but they put in a nice word or they stopped it and shared some advice for me on set. I mean, is, yeah. is that prevalent? Is that something that you found a ton of or was no. it very far and few between? <laughs> 
Well, you know, I have found that, and this is true in every industry, I believe, I think very successful people are very quick to give advice or if they're asked for it by other people who are genuinely interested. I think that um, that's one of the reasons they became successful. And I think nobody asks and that's the thing. So I don't think it's necessarily prevalent, especially in my industry, but it's out there. I believe good people attract good people. I believe good energy draws good energy. Um, but, But asking for what you want is so key. So if you and I, well, great example, one of my clients who was wanting to become sort of an MC, um, took classes, took classes, took classes, um, didn't know how to audition, was learning all this stuff. And then one day she's sitting with her neighbor having coffee and her neighbor casually mentions, um, you know, I need, I, I've got a place an ad today in Craigslist. We need to find an MC for the company, such and such. And she's like, oh, I do this. And my response was, why is she just finding out that you have that interest now? You got to tell the world what you want. You've got to tell everyone you meet because you don't know who's standing right next to you who can offer you either that connection or that opportunity. And I don't mean it in a, what I consider a gross networking way. Networking, because people say, oh, I hate networking. Networking is not let me go to a meeting and give someone a, a card and say, what can I do for you? I have to say one thing that bugs me about LinkedIn is ever since I've been on, I get contacted nonstop by people trying to sell me something. Networking isn't, that's not networking. Networking would be this. Now I'm talking with Matt. Matt and I are getting to know each other briefly. And I know enough about your interests and you know a little lot in mine as well, where I would have no problem saying to Matt and he might not to me to say, hey, Suze, if I wanted to do this, how would I start? That's networking. Or who do you know? But you don't have to go to strangers. You really start networking with the people you know. Networking is really more about pulling them into your inside, pulling them into your internal dialogue about where you want to go and what you want to be. And, and, and it sounds too like what I keep hearing when you say that is, again, it, it's heart, but it's also heart meets confidence. Um, yeah. Again, you you to have the confidence to say, hey, like, and, and I hope you know that about me. You could ask me anything, you know, if, like if you want to get on more radio shows and podcasts, I know almost all of them, right? Like I've been, I'm getting so deep in that little world that like there's, there's a Rolodex and I know you have um, all of the media and your background and all of the training. So I can't wait to talk to you uh, probably offline uh, about (laughs) the hosting world, because that has been something that's just been on my heart deeper than anything. Can you last couple of questions? And I know, uh, I know we've taken so much time today, but I appreciate you staying with us and hanging out with the show. Um, Last couple of questions as we start to wind down here. Were you attracted more in the media world to the hosting world versus the quote unquote acting world? Or did you just have a love for all of it? My, I guess the, what's behind my question is, I feel like I've always loved any entertainment platforms and education platforms that you can be <clears throat> you, but maybe turned up or the best version yeah. of you. So I've yeah. always loved hosting, stand-up comedy, uh, uh, seminars and training and teaching Whereas I never really had a pull inside to say, I want to be on Broadway or I want to, I want to portray someone or something. And I know that you've done both. Um, what's your philosophy and how does it feel when you're doing one or the other and any insights on it? It's interesting because I think we're very like-minded that way. I love it all. Um, I really started out to be an actor, but because I was a walking, talking person, which apparently are skills. What's you know, a walking, talking person? 
um, that you can be a walker and a talker, that you can actually move and have conversation and have a lot of dialogue as an actor in commercials. That's that's like a specialty. And so then infomercials and then so long form things. And um, for me, I accidentally never really thought about broadcasting. Um, I was acting and doing voiceovers, but I played the role of a TV reporter in a Chevy campaign and a news station saw me, contacted me and uh, basically flew me out from Birmingham, Alabama to uh, outside Seattle, Washington, a smaller suburb and um, put me on camera and they wanted to hire me. And since I'm business minded, I went bing, bing, bing. Well, I've got something people want. I don't wanna go live in that small town, I, but that's interesting. So then I did some research and I found out the salaries and the career projections for people in that business. Like nobody in a top 10 market as a news anchor is making less than six figures. And I went, sure. hey, I should consider that. And look, I knew no broadcasters at that time. I had never thought about it, but one thing led to another and that's how I got it. And there are a lot of stories, which I won't share with you right now, how I got then into E and then eventually came back into news. Um, I've done stand-up comedy. Really? I've, done, I've sung, um, I used to sing a lot. And so I did jingles. I've done every aspect. I love them all. When I first got my job reporting on E, the first thing my friends said, how are you going to feel interviewing actors now instead of being the actor? I'm like, cool. Awesome. I love it. And, you know, every different part of the business is exciting to me. If I had one choice, oh gosh, I don't even know now because my life has changed so much, but I really loved when I had a TV show I was lucky enough to star in. Um, it was the Onion News Network um, on IFC. And for two seasons, I played the lead character. She was a pompous news anchor. So I got to use comedy skills. I got to use uh, acting skills, plus my news skills really came in. Um, I don't like to be limited. I believe you could do more than one thing. Right now, I'm focusing primarily on my business, and I'm loving that. Media training has been great. Over 10 years building this business, I'm I'm given the opportunity to work with television stars, celebrities who didn't mean to be television stars and now have to host something, but also influencers, content creators now, because that's a big deal, but executives. And I love working with executives. They're so smart and they've accomplished so much. And I just like working with highly driven, successful people. So, and I learned something from everybody. Um, the media training is now, as you started to mention, Matt, turned into more virtual training yes. because that's what the world has done. And I think it's important to say as an entrepreneur, you know, I had a direction I was going on like a, a million miles an hour in a different path to take all of what I've done to sort of put it into corporate speaking. And I had developed this confidence uh, brand, uh, the confidence catalyst. And that's everything I've done over all my, my years of training. I always say I really sell confidence. So when COVID hit, that had to change. And if my business was going to really prosper, not just survive, but I think you need to find the opportunity in the things that we're challenged with, right? Yeah, and being able to a, change as needed and, and yeah, and to approaches. Adapt. But more than that, it's like, okay, how can I, how can I benefit? How can I um, uh, prosper? in this challenging time, but also help others. So it became very clear to me that my on-camera skills now are needed by everybody. Every single person in the workforce or needs a job or anybody who's doing anything needs to know how to come across well on camera because, hey, everybody, you're all broadcasters now, everyone. 
Welcome to your new career. Welcome and I know you, so you've been doing a lot of training, especially recently and all yeah. through your career, but especially recently with a high focus on mm-hmm. rocking virtual meetings, yes. uh, which I love. I mean, I, I've been from, I've produced hundreds of multi-day live seminars and events all over the world yeah. for years. Yeah. And I haven't done a live event in at least a year, maybe a year and a half right. almost at this right. point. Mm-hmm. And so like virtual meetings is it. Um, couple just last couple questions on this and I want to get definitely to uh, the checklist that you're doing about how to rock virtual meetings. What are some of the things that maybe we wouldn't think about if an executive or if an entrepreneur is jumping into the virtual space and even if we've been doing it for a little while, right? Like the virtual camera, what are some things that we might not have been thinking about that we should be thinking about focusing on, fixing, doing, not doing? Any tips would be very helpful. Well, first of all, first and foremost, I think the most basic tips out there are, are abundantly out there, and yet people still don't do them. How many times have you been sitting in a meeting, you're still looking up at someone's nose because they're not putting their camera on their level of their eye? <laughs> people still don't understand why so it's true. important to light well. People think, oh, I don't need a glamour light. I don't need to be pretty. We don't care that you're pretty, we need to see you. And if you want us to buy something from you, a service or otherwise, we need to see you well enough to feel like we're in the room with you. So your basics are are the most important thing to get to right away and far more in depth. Far more in depth. Don't laugh um, just because I'm taking a picture of our screenshot. I know, isn't that so funny? Um, <laughs> you can't see this, guys, in, but if you go I've to our it. Instagram, you'll see. Take, I always take my pictures of screenshots. Um, but far more in depth that goes into uh, virtual adaptation for meetings has to do with content and how you present it. You know, um, you can't do a deck. You can't have a deck now and do a PowerPoint that's going to be 20 minutes long. You're going to lose your people. And if you notice, most people still try to do presentations like that with word, too many words on their um, slides, which they would do anyway, wrong. But at so least many words. In person, yes. At least in person, we'd see you as a full size human being next to the screen. But if you're doing that online, you're a thumbnail picture and then that screen is up and that's not what you want to do to be effective. Content has to change. Storytelling has to be foremost. Relatability. One of the things I always talk about is likability, relatability. That's what makes people buy, listen, respect, and trust. So if you're trying to tune into a morning show, everybody's got their favorite. Is it Good Morning America? Am I watching um, ABC, NBC, CBS? And guess what? They're all talking about the same things. Why do we tune into one over another? Because we like the people telling us those things. That's right. We like the hosts. And now everyone, everyone, who's in the workplace, who has to have a sales meeting or give a seminar or sit on a panel. It's so important now to realize that likability has to be transferred through a screen. That's what I've made my living doing, communicating through the lens of a camera. And And that's what this is all about. And you've done that at all different levels. And I love the application. Uh, And that's why I've been so interested in it. But the application in the business world, um, the application of the entrepreneur space. So this is exciting stuff. Hey, um, before we uh, let you go, um, where can people find out more with, about you? Where can we plug in with you? What's the best place to get more Suzanne? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I have two Because we want more Suzanne. I'm sorry, we do. <laughs> Please, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you're just interested in general, I'm doing, I do a lot of things. If you want to know about the podcast and um, my speaking, and also about this concept of becoming a virtually impactful person, VIP is how I refer to it. You can go to SuzanneSena.com. My name is Suzanne with a Z and uh, the old fashioned way. And the Sena only has one N, SuzanneSena.com. But honestly, if you just go and Google my name and media, training or just me, you'll find all sorts of stuff more than you could ever want to see. Um, and then we do have a website just for training called senaseries.com. Senaseries.com. Awesome. And then, Hey, make sure you check out this podcast. I'm excited about this. Um, the confidence connection, building trust in a virtual world. So that uh, is exciting. You can listen to this amazing voice, uh, her amazing voice every uh -huh. single week uh, <laughs> on the confidence connection. That's awesome. Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on and making the time. And uh, I just, I so appreciate you. Uh, I respect again, not just who you are, but the hard work you've put in to get to where you are and, and, and the contribution that you're always willing to help someone else up and to share the advice. Um, you're truly one of the good ones out there. So thank you so much for being you. Well, thank you so much. What kind words. Nice to know you. I'm really glad to know you. Awesome. Hey, that is the show for this week, guys. Thanks for listening to The Driven Entrepreneur. Remember, you can get this on demand as well as uh, streaming in your car or listening on the AMFM dial. So head over to mattbrowningpodcast.com and you can get The Driven Entrepreneur on any platform that syndicates Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, all that cool stuff. And throw a subscribe, throw a, a review, a little rating. It takes like five seconds. Most importantly, if you love this interview, and you want to share Suzanne or you want to share me or both of us with your friends, uh, share it somewhere, text it to somebody. It helps more than you can ever imagine uh, when a good friend recommends great value, rich conversations. I'll see you next week with another Driven Entrepreneur. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.